Hi, I'm Colin. And I'm Michael. Welcome to Just Some Dads. We got together to create this podcast focused on life as a father. Our mission is centered on family, faith, and fortitude. In each episode, we talk about being a dad through these lenses. Family is the reason I get out of bed and go to work every day. And family is vital to who I am. We believe that faith is the honest and earnest spiritual search for life-guiding truths. Fortitude is courage in the face of adversity, learning from trials, and constantly building yourself. As young fathers, we both sought out dad-centric communities, but we're pretty underwhelmed with what we found. So we set out to create our own community with these three values. There's nothing easy about being a husband and father, but together we can support each other and sprinkle in some dad humor along the way. We want to encourage discussion about working through tough times, mental health, engaging with your kids, developing your relationship with your spouse, and so much more. As a dad, you have incredible influence on your family, your friends, and your community. So join us as we try to uplift and strengthen each other with positive daditudes and as we all keep doing good. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Just Some Dads. This is part two in our series that we started last week, or I guess two weeks ago, with grief and loss. And we have another guest with us tonight, uh, somebody who I have been friends with for almost two years now, member of our local church congregation, uh, Brandon Cleverly. Brandon, welcome to Just Some Dads. Thank you, Colin and Michael. Thank you for allowing me to be part of this and to to share my experience. Absolutely. We're excited to have you. Colin was telling me that you frequently reach out to him and provide feedback and you listen to every episode. And I was like, man, I didn't know we had a number one fan, but it's <laughs> nice to meet our number one fan. Thanks for coming. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. Um, I, I've just really enjoyed the the camaraderie and the community that you guys are building in the I think that it's a, a great place for for dads to to get together and learn from one another and to share. So I've I've appreciated listening to you guys. High praise, thank you. Oh, thanks, Brandon. And I'll just say, um, right at the beginning of this season, right after we had changed our direction and launched our mission statement and everything, Michael, I was feeling kind of discouraged about our what I felt was kind of a lack of direction after we had had this really awesome epiphany and we recorded an episode and then I just kind of felt stuck. And as I'm like, literally as I'm thinking this and feeling stuck and doubting what is going on, I get a text from Brandon and he said, Hey, this is awesome. Your change of direction is exactly what this podcast needed. You guys are doing a really great job. Keep it up. And that was a, just a really great, uplifting thing for me that helped us or helped me keep going and push on into this second season. So thank you, Brandon. Oh, you're, you're very welcome. You're so kind. I appreciate that. Sounds like we That's need nice to bring to him you. on as a producer. Hey, there <laughs> <No>. we go. <laughs> I'll be your hype man. That works. Okay. We can do that. Well, I've got a little bio on Brandon real quick before we uh, get into his story here. Brandon has been married for 20 years and started his fatherhood journey in 2002 with the birth of his son, and now he has four sons and a girl. His favorite part of being a dad is watching his kids discover the world and all of the amazing things about it. He enjoys being outdoors, wake surfing, and gardening with his daughter, and he also loves running. 
Yes. Very well-rounded hobbies. A lot of the things that I like to do, I can do with, with family members and I can, um, I can enjoy those with them and share that, that time with them. And, and so really family is my hobby and I like to do things that bring them together. So that's where I'm at. That's a great answer. I mean, not to throw in a shameless plug or anything, but faith, family, and fortitude, right? That's kind of family. Yeah. yeah. One of our big three. Yep. 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 That's great. I, I'm, I'm with you on the running part. Unfortunately, um, the only people who like to run in my family are kids, my kids, and they're uh, under the age of six, and so it doesn't last for very long. But maybe someday <laughs> they'll run with me. I don't know. I'm, I'm hopeful. My older ones will run with me every once in a while, but when but I'm way too slow for them. And <laughs> so <laughs> we, we, we'll do a relay race like once a year. And my, my oldest used to come with me and he would just, he'd, um, because you, you can run at different times. And so he'd run just to kind of show off and then he'll hang out until the next time he gets to run. And he's there at the fin or at my, the finish of my leg when I run. And it's just kind of fun like that. So there is time to be spent. That's awesome. That's great. Well, um, Brandon, if you want to just start us off here and, and give us a little bit of background on your story and what made you want to uh, share your story with everybody? All right. Well, first off, I, I want to share a story of hope and a story of, of happiness. And it, it, at times it's not going to feel that way, but it really is. To start off with, in 2013, I had three sons and we were pregnant with a fourth. And in May, he was 37 weeks along. And I went to work that morning. Um, and I was having a great day at work. And my wife called me and she told me that she went to the doctor's office because they couldn't find a heartbeat for our son. And I was lucky enough that I had a a boss that came and took over for me at my job. And I just left and drove straight to the hospital. And um, we found out that our son had passed away in the womb and he was no longer alive. And he had to be delivered by C-section. And so my wife had to deal with all of that. And uh, so our lives were just obviously very shattered and it was so sad um, to, to miss out on this life that we had planned with this little boy. Um, I think in a way that's one of the things that I mourn as well is the loss of the future that I would have had with this little boy that our family would have had. And we had definitely some terrifying moments of intense sadness. And, but we, as a family, we kind of banded together. And we, my wife and I actually grew closer, which was kind of a, which was kind of, is not that, is not typical for people who, who lose a child this far along that, it can cause friction in a marriage, but we have um, learned to come together and we've, 
been able to bring our ourselves through this and to bring our, our older sons through this. And we welcomed another little girl into our family a year after our, our, first, our, our fourth son had passed. Um, so we, we have overcome a lot of obstacles. And I know that um, it is incredibly difficult in someone's life to feel this. And that's why I want to share today with other fathers. I want fathers to know that there is support for them and that they can feel and they can be vulnerable and still be fathers and good men. And they can still help other people and they can make it through this, these tough times that they'll be facing when, if this happens to them. And I hope it doesn't, but if it does, there is hope and there's help for you if you need that. Thank you. Wow. So you, you said, Brendan, that your wife was 37 weeks along? Yes, she was. Oh, my goodness. So that's, I mean, I'm, I don't know if we have any listeners out there who are, are not yet dads or parents, but I, I remember those few weeks because that's three weeks before what's considered full term, right, which is 40 weeks. And the, those few weeks before your due date or your wife's due date um, can be, at least for me, and some other dads I've talked to, some of the most stressful some of the most like rushed and hurried and kind of intense preparation weeks because like it's, it's, it's almost go time, right? You've got your hospital bags get like packed already, or you've got like people to, to sit with your kids if you need to while you go to the hospital. You've got the route planned. I mean, you're in your mind, you're getting everything ready for this to happen. And then to have the experience that you had, I, I appreciate the gravity of what you said when you said that it was shattering. Shattering is is definitely shattering is definitely the right word, and because I don't think that anyone ever goes through this experience without rebuilding themselves. So, for instance, um, when this first happened, before this had happened, I guess I should say, I um, I I felt very detached from people and not emotionally connected to people. And I knew a woman who had had a stillborn child and I was friends with her on social media. And once a year she would make a post where she would say, I wish he was here. And I knew at the time that she was referring to her unborn child or her, her stillborn child, sorry. Please take unborn out, that's, that's horrid. Um, she was mourning her, her stillborn child. And after having gone through this, I've, I understood why she did that. Because that gave him humanity. Missing him meant that he was part of her, her family. That she wanted someone to recognize that his life mattered. And that that shaped me i i look at people differently i i try to give people the benefit of the doubt i i try to be more more emotionally available to people i try to reach out and empathize with the feelings that they have instead of judging them for them 
I, I look at some of the ways that I, I've just grown and, and this has been one of those, one of those ways. I wrote down a whole bunch of stuff I wanted to talk about. And if you don't mind, can I drive for a minute? Go for it. Absolutely. All yours. Okay. Take the wheel. All right. So after my son was born, one of the, one of the things that was so um, beneficial and helpful to us was the compassion that was shown to us by the hospital and the staff. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but when you have a stillborn child in the maternity ward, um, at least at our hospital, they have a special room that is set aside for parents who have a stillborn child. And there's a, not a sign on the door, but there's a, there's a little picture on the door and all the nurses know that the family inside there is, um, has a stillborn child and they have a special dedicated team to take care of us. They don't have any other people that they're watching after on that floor. They're there to take care of us and make sure that our emotional health and well-being, as well as my wife's needs are, are cared for. And my son's name was Evan. And when Evan was born, they took me out of the operating room and we went back to our room. And I wish I remembered the nurse's name, but she took me and she put my son in my arms. And one of the most beautiful things is we washed his body because that gave him humanity. That meant that he mattered, that he wasn't just something we were going to throw away, that he was real and he deserved the dignity that another human being should have. And being able to wash him the way I would have washed a living child was very special for me. One of the most beautiful experiences of my life. A close family member brought clothes for him to wear for us to dress his body in um, while he was in the hospital. Just things like that really helped me. And I, I've noticed over the the, um, the last year and a half or so that um, not too many people mention their children's names, but um, Evan is a very, was a very special little boy. And that's one thing that also helps me is, is I, I don't like when people talk about my dead baby. I don't like it when people talk about your, um, or your son or anything. Using the name of a child who's passed, again, gives them that humanity, gives them that dignity, um, recognizes that they've made an impact and that they were here. Just like you would talk about a grandparent or a parent who'd passed, use their name, use the name of that child when you're talking with people who have lost a child. Give them that, give them that, um, that humanity, that, that that little bit of dignity, um, help them with that. Um, let's see. Um, oh yeah. And then another thing that I don't think a lot of people know is there is a, um, charity called now I lay me down to sleep, at least in Colorado, there's this, a charity that does this. 
and they will send a photographer in to take baby pictures with your child. And depending on the, the, no, I don't want to say that. So don't put that in there. Um, but these pictures can be, again, a source of, of meaning for your child, a source of, of happiness, of, of, of knowing that your child mattered. And sometimes that's, that's just all that's important is knowing that his life meant something and mattered. So that, that was a source of a tender mercy for me was, was being able to, to wash him and, and a lot of these other things that, that would have happened for, for a living baby. So the hospital staff was amazing. They took such good care of us. They were so understanding. They would just sit and hold us at times and just say, it's okay. It's okay to cry. And so there's a few things that I found to be really surprising. We got home after we, my wife had been released from the hospital and I felt incredible jealousy for my wife. I was very jealous of her because she got to hold him while he was alive and she got to care for him while he was inside of her. And I never got that opportunity. And I found it really surprising that, um, that I felt that way. And I felt really bad that I felt that way. It, it seemed really silly for me to feel that way, but it was, it was really there. And I had to work through that, through that emotion and realize that, you know, it's, it's okay to feel that way, but don't dwell on it because that's not going to help anything. So I, I moved through some of that. I, my, this hospital where my, my son was born was very close to, for many of our family members. And when they had children, they were in that hospital as well. And I found it incredibly difficult to return to that maternity ward for the births of nieces and nephews. And to the point where I, I chose not to return um, for those births or to visit the baby until they were after the hospital. And I think, you know, if that's, if that's emotionally where you're at, that's okay. Um, people need to, to know that it's everyone grieves differently and it's hard to, it's hard to put a timeline on grief. People need to be able to feel it and they need to work through it and process the grief that they have. And sometimes it looks different for people. And for me, it looked like I don't want to go back to that hospital. And something I don't think that a lot of people know is, is how it affects your other living children, the older children. My oldest, he kind of puts his grief away and, and doesn't really want to talk about it. And I, I don't know how to help him with that. And that's okay. We've offered him to to talk with counselors and he's, he's had a couple of friends, older friends that he's been able to open up to and he's talked with them about it. And that's, that's his way of, of dealing with some of that. But my younger two sons were, I think they were seven and five or eight and six, something like that. And they, um, they had a, a mild understanding, but there was a lot more just confusion for them. Um, my middle son, he was just sad and he was like, why do you want me to hold this, this little body? He came and visited us in the hospital and, but I think he's compartmentalized his grief and moved through. 
the surprise, most surprising to me was my youngest son. He was just really confused. He was six at the time. He, his understanding was that mom and dad went to the hospital. Mom was pregnant, but now mom's not pregnant. There's a baby's body here. Their mom and dad have named it Evan. And, and everybody's really sad. And I don't know why. And I think he felt a loss of control in his life. And that really had an effect on him for about a year. He would, anytime someone left the home or where he was at, he had to acknowledge that or he would just melt apart. He had to look you in the face and said, you're coming home, right? And he had to make sure that we, we were coming home to him and because that was his way of, of feeling everything was normal. Everything was okay. Everything was going to be okay. And that was his way of grieving. Maybe not grieving, but the anxiety that he picked up from, from, this, from this situation. I know at the beginning I said there's a lot of hope and, and happiness out of this. And so far I haven't painted a very pretty picture of that. But what I really want to talk about is how the community that we live in has really just brought us up and how they've made our lives as nice and happy as we can be. Every one of my family members was blessed with someone near them at the time that had experienced the same, the same thing. Each of my sons had a, a Sunday school teacher who had lost a child and they could comfort them and, and tell them it's going to be okay. My, my wife had a very close friend who'd lost a son um, a few years before. And she was so helpful. And she was just an absolute angel. They, on a whim, they just brought over a, a basket of goodies and, and stuff for the kids to do. Because they knew that mom and, they knew that mom and dad, they knew that me and my wife were not really doing anything. We were just... We were just trying to survive day by day. And so they brought over treats and little games for the kids. And they said, you're going to need this. And my wife says, this is the bright spot for her. This, she said that was where things started to turn around for her is, is when this happened is she knew that someone else cared and had been there. And she called this, this woman a lot and she would sob on the phone and she would talk to her and, you know, this woman always just validated her feelings and said, it's okay. It's normal to feel this way. It's okay to feel. And I'm glad that you feel. And helped my wife. I had a, a great friend, um, one of my best friends ever. He, he was serving alongside me at church. And, you know, he would just put his arm around me and say, buddy, it's going to be okay. And he would sob right alongside me and we would just, we remember the, we remember the anniversaries of um, the dates that our children had passed and we send each other notes and we, we check on each other every, every couple of weeks to make sure that we're doing okay. It's just been such a, an outpouring of, of happiness and hope that I have just found to be such a strength People have lifted me up when I couldn't, 
lift myself when I didn't want to, when I had no desire to do anything, when I wanted to stay in bed all day, because my grief would just put me there. My, I, these friends would, would invite us over for dinner. They'd, they'd take our kids to our, to the baseball games and say, look, you got to be there. We'll save you a seat. You know, so many people who lifted us up and it's great that we've had this community. I have this really distinct memory of, um, of my parents having a, a barbecue. And for those of you who don't, who don't know, sometimes in, in Northern Idaho, when you have a barbecue, all that means is you're going to put hot dogs and hamburgers on a, gr- <laughs> on a grill, right? So I'm totally from Northern Idaho. So um, that's the way it was for us. And so I was supposed to bring over hamburger buns and I brought my family over and I didn't bring them. And I fell apart because I just had failed and I'd felt like, you know, I'd felt that because of, of course this was early on and I felt that because my son hadn't lived, I, I was a failure and this is just one more thing that I'd failed at. And my dad just said, look, dude, they're hamburger buns. Is it really worth all this? If you need to cry, by all means, cry. But they're just hamburger buns. Don't cry for the hamburger buns. Cry for your son. Save your time for your son. And it's just been so supportive. Um, One of the things that I really worry about fathers who lose children is when they turn to destructive behaviors to comfort themselves. Um, Things like pornography or um, alcohol or drugs, um, compulsive gambling, things like that, that um, can numb a man and take him away from his family and keep him away from how he needs to support them. And there are so many good ways to learn, uh, to, to, to deal with your grief and to, and physically move on and relieve the stress that you'll feel. I, I mentioned before that I really liked running. And part of the reason I like running is because that's what I did after my son died is when it got to be too much, I would just put my shoes on and I would go. And one of the more comforting things for me was I would imagine him in a yellow tracksuit with shoulder length hair running alongside me. And that pulled me along through a lot of stuff. I remember, I remember finishing some races and just feeling his presence with me because that's what we did together. That's how we spent time. We could run and it's so, it was comforting to imagine him out in front of me begging me to go along. And that's kind of how I feel now. He's, he's passed on and he's waiting for us to catch up to him. So that's how I, that's how I, um, dealt with with some of the stress was with physical activity but there are so many other avenues that people can take there are therapy groups that people can be part of there are counselors that people can reach out to Um, there are volunteer opportunities if that's your your thing to to go out and volunteer to help other people to, to help alleviate your grief there are there are communities everywhere there is a massive group Um, on Facebook that I follow that's called the Grieving Dads Project. And really, it's a space for 
for men who have just lost their son or their children, not their sons, their children. And for whatever reason and however old these children are, but to reach out and, and ask for support. And for men who've, who've, who are in different stages of along different stages of their grieving process to, to pull another man up, to, to lift him up and help him see that there's light at the end of the tunnel, that it's not all sadness, that it's not, there are going to be bright spots and those bright spots eventually get brighter and they are eventually longer. And while at the time it doesn't feel that way, you can hold, you can, you can eventually tie those, those bright spots together and you can connect them and you can use your experience to help the next person because unfortunately life goes on and these things keep happening. And so we need to be able to band together to help one another out. We need to be able to, to reach out to those who are suffering and help to, I don't think alleviate is the right word because they need to feel that. They need to feel the emotions. They need to know that they cared, but to help them to know that they are not alone in their suffering. Because sometimes that's all you need is to know that someone else feels the pain that you feel and someone else can, can relate to you and help you along. We, this, this group has just been so strengthening to me to number one, gain the support of other fathers, but also when I have reached out to different fathers to offer my support, offer my strength for what they're going through and help them gain more strength. I strengthen myself as well. One of the things that I really struggled with was um, I stopped sleeping well. And um, my wife will tell you, I'm a great sleeper. Like I'm a pro at sleeping. But so me not being able to sleep was, um, was really a surprise to me and really frustrating because I should be able to sleep. So one of the things that I started doing was I started writing in a journal when I couldn't sleep and I would just release everything that I was holding, all of my frustration, all of the events that had happened. And I found that I was holding on to these things because I didn't want to forget them. I didn't want to forget what my son was like. I didn't want to forget. I didn't want to feel like he was, he was slipping away again. And by writing those things down, I couldn't forget them anymore. They were, they were still there and I can go back and read them and I don't have to fear losing my son again. And that was incredibly helpful. And I know that that's helped um, several other men. So if that works for you, please do something like that. But that has been so special. Oh, I got to tell you. So right after my son was born, all of our children are born between June 2nd and July 1st. So birthday party in the summer then, huh? Oh, heck yes. Like... It's, it's just, it, I, I, we didn't even try it. We were just really, really good timing. 
like, so all of our children are right there. Even Evan was right in there. And we, what a lot of people don't know is, is sometimes with grief, you lose your desire to do anything. And we lost all desire to do anything. Like we didn't even decorate for holidays. Um, I, I love to garden and I let my garden go for a couple years and it was really hard to put together birthday parties for our sons that year. And one of the young ladies at church, she constructed the most amazing lizard cake ever. And she donated it to my boys and they were thrilled. Like they loved this cake. And for weeks after they would just run up to this girl at church and they would just give her these big hugs for this, for this, for her, I'm sure it was just a small thing, but to them, it was so meaningful. And it meant a lot to me to be able to, for someone else to fill in where I couldn't. And that was so, so special. It was great. And one of my favorite cherished memories of, of that time. Since then, we have had a little girl and having lost one child during pregnancy, this little girl's pregnancy was probably one of the second most stressful times in our lives. She came along about a year after Evan did. And every time she would hold still, we would, we would start to stress out. Um, Till we finally, we had to have a mantra to keep ourselves together because we had children and we have to take care of them. And our mantra became, we're not going to spaz out until the doctor spazzes out. And every time she would go for like 30 seconds without moving, we would just say, we're not going to spaz out until the doctor spazzes out. And that kept us sane. It's kind of like, you know, Worrying is important when it's important, but it's not time to worry yet. And I was so, I was so nervous. And again, some of these people who'd lost children and then had more children stepped in to just say, look, you're going to be okay. I understand your stress. I understand the fear that you feel. You're going to be fine. I remember one man just took me in his arms and he held on to me real tight because I felt like a child at the time. And he said, it's okay. When it hurts too bad, you come find me and I'll just hold you until you feel better. And that was comforting. That was what I needed at the time. Someone who just knew and could not take away the pain and not invalidate my pain, but who let me know that he knew what I felt and he, he'd felt it before. And he was there for me when it, when it hurt. And that, that's where my happiness comes from. Through this whole experience, the happiness that I felt comes from the people who've loved us and helped us to stand back up and have armed us with the tools that we need to be able to 
pick others behind us up, to help them through, to look at people who are struggling and may feel out of control and their lives are spiraling out of control and be able to extend a hand and say, I can't fix all of it, but what can I fix right now? Where can I help? And that's been a great source of satisfaction in my life is helping those when they need it, helping those in the stressful times in their lives um, when they, when there's things they just can't do. Um, And that's one of the things that this experience has taught me is to not be so self-absorbed and caught up in what I think is important. But what is actually important is the people around us and the people that we can serve and help along the way, the people that we bring with us, the people whose lives we impact and make better, and the people whose, whose grief we make, we make important but help to alleviate by our presence. And I hope that's the happiness that you get from this is that there's always someone to help and we have the opportunity to do so. And that's what has made me happy from this experience. That's awesome. Thank you, Brandon. Um, What, uh, what an incredible story. What, what a deep and impactful lesson that you have taught me. I'm not going to share what it is because I, I think that your experience and your, your story and you and your family's experience with Evan in your family is, is something that can have such meaningful and profound impact and teaching for so many people. And I, I, I would like to invite those who are listening to, to take whatever they can and whatever sticks out to them. Um, into their own lives. And I, I don't want to, I don't know, uh, guide anyone to what I have learned. Cause I, I, I want to provide them their own opportunity, but I, it is not often when I am on the show as a host and feel like I don't have anything to say, but I, I don't, I am just grateful. And that, is kind of a rough position to be in as a podcast host where all you do is talk and people listen. Yeah, that's uh it, it does it does put us in a in a little bit of a, a not a sticky spot, but you you've said everything so well and so completely that all all I really have to say is um having been the one who has received your extended hand several times over the last two years when we've had ups and downs, I can count at least a half a dozen times, definitely more, but specifically I can think of, of several where you've reached out and just said, Hey, how are things going right now? And it happens to be on a really bad day when something is happening and you say, okay, don't worry about everything tonight we're bringing you dinner or what's a night this week that we can bring you dinner or, Hey, we have a bunch of 
clothes from our boys that they've outgrown and we've held on to and our boys love them and some you know passed on some toys and and all sorts of things having been on the receiving end of that extended hand it feels so good to to be to have received that and i i appreciate that and i appreciate it even more now having a better understanding of where that came from so thank you thank you very much and also i i guess this is a an appropriate time everybody who's listened to this podcast knows that we have a section called color me impressed where we reach out to someone usually the spouse of our guest and say what impresses you about this person and i texted your wife and oh man colin i don't know if i can handle this next portion it's she she sings your praises um and we wanted to share that with you Uh, she said brandon impresses me in many ways he has the ability to read me and know what i need sometimes before i do he gives everything to his family he works hard and makes sure we have time to play he goes to all the concerts ball games wrestling matches and everything else our kids are involved in he makes us feel safe and loved and I think that in is a very good conclusion to your story. And I appreciate so much you being willing to, to reach out to me and offer to share this with us and with anyone else who has to listen. And I, I'll, I'll follow Michael's lead and not guide people to what I felt like I learned today, but... I'm definitely going to be going back and listening to this a couple of times to digest everything and learn a lot from it. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Those, thank you for reaching out to my wife. Um, I think it's, it's one of my favorite things to listen when you have a guest is how their loved ones feel about them. And that's one of the best gifts that you can give them is, is sometimes these candid things that don't always get said in the home, but are felt. So that's, that's a very special thing that you've done. If I have one more moment, can I invite all of your listeners to do one thing? Absolutely. Please. All right. So every year on May 23rd, we have Evan's birthday party. And we go out to dinner with family and in the, in the evening. And then during the day, we serve other people. We make his day a day of happiness and service, not one of sadness. We, we look for people who need help. We find places to volunteer or charities where we can, can do things. And in, particularly we, in particular, we like to gather blankets and donate them to hospitals for the, for the parents of, who have lost children to childbirth. Um, during childbirth, I should say. And so if anybody wants to join us in this act of, of service um, on Evan's birthday, May 23rd, feel free to just find people and serve them and help them to feel loved and cared for. That's what I want my son's legacy to be, is that that he inspired others to care. 
Well, yeah, thank you for that invitation. I will put that in my calendar and let's do it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, Brandon. That's that's all I've got. That's okay. I think that's perfect for today. There's nothing else to say except for in honor of Evan. Keep, keep doing, doing good. good. Michael, did you hear about the dentist who treated a ghost? No, I bet he was kind of scared by it, though. He had a brush with the supernatural. (laughs) Okay, that's a good one. A A plus on that one. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check us out on Instagram at JustSomeDads to see our take on dad life and our versions of whatever is trending. We love and appreciate feedback, so make sure and reach out to us with your comments and thoughts about today's episode. You're also welcome to contact us at justsomedadspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Really, we would. And we're excited for you to join us on the next episode of Just Some Dads.